0: <laughs> Chris was our walking encyclopedia for the trip. He knew a little bit about everything. Well, I just he just, you know, he had a flower. He's like, oh is this flower and he's like, that's a such and such flower and it's native to you know, he was like that with everything. Bees, he raises bees, he tells about how bees are made and... No, he didn't do any honey He told me Forty, he produced like forty gallons or something crazy uh, a year, something
1: like that, something, something crazy. But he he, he did. He matter of fact. One of the combat photographer was taking pictures of this
0: flower on the side of the trail, and uh, I said, "Man, this is embarrassing." I said, "Combat photographer taking pictures of the flowers." And uh, Chris says, "Yeah, what's more embarrassing is that's a uh, that's a." Blackberry flower. It's, it's. Uh, you they have them all over the United States. <laughs>
1: <Blackberry>. <laughs> Here, he thought
0: he was taking pictures of something that was something exotic.
1: You know, huh? something exotic. You know? That's funny. All right, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and start this up. Let's do this. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> better, much better. Yeah, yeah much better. Uh, yeah, I can see the uh the frown line. I like that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the scowl.
2: <laughs> Permanent. It's
1: perfect. I guess we lost uh, Chris. Chris. He might have had to go back. I don't know. Anyway, let's do this. Let's get started. So we, we're back, Leadheads. As you can tell, we started the conversation. We're getting everybody connected here. I think we're as good as we're going to get at the moment. Uh, there's people messing with you in the background there, Michael. <laughs> in your window, what are they doing back there? I don't know. You have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> they're, they're making faces in the background there. Uh, Chris is uh, putting on his mask. He's masking up. It looks like in Indiana. <laughs> I guess they still require the mask in Indiana.
2: Well, in in the
3: hospitals.
1: In the hospitals, yeah. the place, the only place where you're probably the safest, the cleanest yeah, no of kidding. all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Leadheads, we are back with another episode of the Talking Lead Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, make sure you go and support all those that make this show possible. Mission First Tactical, Seal One, Nemo Arms, ASP USA, Factory 47, 1776 United, and of course, Caltech. We are going to be at NRA. Are you guys going to NRA this year, Lance?
3: Uh, what's the dates?
1: Uh, it's coming up next month, September 3rd through the 5th in Houston, Uh-oh. Houston, Texas. Yeah.
3: Lord, no. Uh, September, October are going to be our two busiest months
1: okay. coming up.
3: So we are every weekend and every week, we've got either an outdoor adventure or a Warrior Path program running.
1: There you go. And – for you uh, new lead heads that don't recognize that voice, that is Sergeant Major Lance Nutt with Sheepdog Impact Assistance, and we're going to be talking about their recent adventure that they had climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, and we've got some of the climbers here joining us. We're going to introduce them in just a second as well, uh, and if you hear background noise, excuse it. We've got people on uh, cell phones driving. They're at the hospital. They're, they're scattered out <laughs> everywhere. This, this trip really really took a toll on them, it looks like. But, <laughs> uh, but we are going to be at the 2021 NRA in Houston, Texas. Make sure if you're there, you come by and see us. We're at booth 1803. Uh, we'll have some awesome giveaways from Mission First Tactical. we have some of their awesome dump trays. And if you're watching on the video, I'm holding up one of their cool dump trays right now. Uh, really good for you armorers out there too. work on guns is to put your parts and dirty stuff on there. Go to missionfirsttactical.com. Am I still sharing my screen? Yes. Let me stop doing that. Uh, check them out. They also have your firearms, accessories, your magazines, uh, 30 round magazines. You can get custom logos put on there. So we need to get some sheepdog, uh, magazines done. We'll look at that, getting that done. Uh, but yeah, Keltech going to be sponsoring us. Uh, come by there. Never know who's going to be there at the booth. Apparently, Sergeant Major's not going to be there, so we won't have Sheepdog joining us this year, unfortunately. Unfortunately, but, but we do have you on now, and um, we're going to talk about this awesome adventure that you guys just went on to Mount Kilimanjaro. Uh, but before we do that, I want you to introduce who's joining us, uh, Sergeant Major.
3: Yeah, we've got, uh, Brandon Madison. Uh, he, uh, well, I, I, I was about to say he's the token army guy with us on this call, but actually Chris McKay is, uh, army, uh, both, uh, combat vets, uh, with us that, uh, just, uh, returned from Africa from our expedition there. So Brandon Madison, Chris McKay and Michael Nimmo, Uh, who is a Marine combat vet and uh, one of our senior staff members within the organization. He actually um, is one of our primary go-getters when it comes to funding for the organization. So uh, we've been real proud of his efforts. And then Chris McKay is our chapter commander up in Indiana, doing great things for the veterans and first responders of the state of Indiana. Uh, and Brandon, we're still trying to figure out what it is that he does. Uh, <laughs> so I'd work out and love his daughter with all his heart. And I can't think of really anything that matters more than that. And growing awesome
1: beards is pretty, pretty good too.
3: <laughs> Got the Vite braid and everything going on right now. Right. So, yeah. uh, Brandon, Brandon's a real good friend of mine. And, uh, we go way back, uh, on a lot of life's challenges and, um, uh, Brandon owns his own business, doing great things out in the world, and uh, is, has been an amazing representative for us uh, and Sheepdog, and so we were proud to have all of these gentlemen with us. There was a total of uh, 12 of us on the team that went to Africa, and these are three of the gentlemen that joined us.
1: There you go, and uh, we had others that were going to, but due to connection uh, issues and whatnot, they weren't able to, but... Maybe we can get them back on another time. We'd love to to hear their side of the adventures uh, as well. Uh, But before we get into talking about the Mount Kilimanjaro uh, trip, Sergeant Major, you know we do this little segment on the show. It's called Trains and Planes, where we take care of jack wagons and we honor some heroes. And uh, we're going to let the gunny bring that train in now to haul off some much deserving jack wagons.
0: Who routes, simplify, do or die, hold them high at eighth and It is time for the talking lead
1: Jack Wagon of the Week. So brace yourself, baby. And I'll start us off with a Jack Wagon. This is a a local one. I was out and about yesterday and um, I had to go get some pool shock. I don't know if any of you guys own a pool or not, but for some reason, chlorine is impossible to find right now. Uh, Mm. Just your normal chlorine that you, you put in your pool, it's usually cheap and expensive. Uh, well, it's gone up to like five to six times its normal price, and it's impossible to find, which I haven't found a reason why yet as to why there's a shortage on chlorine. Uh, but anyway, I was on on the, the hunt for some chlorine yesterday and um, was pulling into the gas station, and I was pulling off a major uh, road, a major intersection to a, to a side road, Uh, And I don't know how it is in y'all states, but in, in Tennessee and in most areas, the right of way comes from people pulling off the main road, you know, the other people have to give way. I was telling Brandon about this uh, off air, but (laughs) anyway, uh, so I, I beat this guy before he pulls into this intersection and starts to block the intersection because it's major traffic during the time I was out. Uh, and I go through, which I have the right of way anyway. And then he gives me this dirty, dirty look. I give him a dirty look back and just go on to the to the gas station, proceed to the gas station. And as I'm pulling in, this car pulls up in front of me. And it's that dude that I guess he felt I cut him off or whatever. Uh, and he wanted to, to know what my problem was, I guess. <laughs> so I got out of the car and uh, proceeded to to, to walk up as he rolled his window down, asking me what my problem was. And I just said, uh, you know, I have a problem with people who don't know how to drive and don't know the, the, you know, the rules of, of driving in their local area, which you obviously don't and can't read signs because there's a sign strictly posted said traffic off that has right away. Uh, (laughs) Um, uh, anyway, he wanted to challenge me, but he wouldn't get out of his car. So I just proceeded to pump my gas, and then he stayed there while I pumped my gas, I guess, to make sure that I was following all the EPA rules. I don't know. Uh, but he eventually went on his way. But <laughs> That guy is a jack wagon. Uh, for people who get upset over something as little as as that was, inconsequential, when all the other bigger problems in the world that are going on right now uh, deserve attention, uh, those people are jack wagons. So, welcome to the jack wagon train, you idiot in the, the silver BMW.
3: Takes <laughs> all types.
1: You know, you know. I just had to vent. I had to get that out. Uh, it's a shame that I've let that bother me this long, too. So, I've let it go. I've vented. How about you guys? You got anything you want uh, to, to vent to get off your chest? Anybody done anything that you thought was just absolutely preposterous, stupid,
3: idiot? You know... Uh, Marty, I, I had a similar incident traffic related issue two days ago where I, I actually had a woman yell out her window at me that I was, I must be a Trumpster Hmm. because my driving apparently did not, um, meet her standards. And so apparently because I was driving what she has referred to as a Bubba truck, which is a Ford F-250. So okay. I'm driving a Bubba truck, and I am a Trumpster, which she said repeatedly. And I have no political stickers on my vehicle, but because I'm driving a Bubba truck. And you're white. And, and I'm white. And you're married. And even said, and you look like a Trumpster, right? So I don't, I still don't know what the hell that means. But I, I, must digress and say that as much as she belongs on the Jack wagon, um, and I, I, I try to refrain based on my position in this organization from being overtly political, Sure. but I'm going to go out on a unique limb and be very political. And my statement that President Biden and his entire administration. Yes. The jack wagon train. Yes. And I could not be more disgusted with a president. And I thought Jimmy Carter was going to keep the bar as low as it could get. But. Joe Biden has lowered it to an entirely new level with the handling uh, that he and his administration have conducted uh, when it comes to Afghanistan.
1: Absolutely.
3: I I do not disagree with the need for us to get out. Um, I don't think anybody's
1: disagreeing with that.
3: No, and that's right. But the way it has been handled, the utter failure... When it comes to that, that entire administration, I would go so far as to say that I'm embarrassed for us as a nation. Um, I'm embarrassed for our military. And it's a sad day to see what has transpired in a country that we invested 20 years of American blood, sweat, and treasure and the most important aspect of that is that blood is the lives of the men and women who sacrificed in that country to see it deserve better than it is now getting from the standpoint of how we utterly failed in the transition process. So, right. uh, I know that, and I, and I think I'm there because... All of us who, who, as veterans, served in that theater between Iraq and Afghanistan have been betrayed repeatedly by administrations that failed managed manage the withdrawal and transition process properly. So I, um, I feel for the veterans out there that are struggling because of the failure of this transition. And um, I do want to make sure that they know that fellow veterans, health, <coughs> appreciate all of the sacrifices made, especially by those families that are now having to relive the betrayal um, of having lost loved ones. And uh, the Biden administration has much to account for in this utter failure of foreign policy. And they
1: refuse to be held accountable. Biden, as they're calling him now, is refusing to address this. Any of his uh, administration... Uh, are not addressing this. Uh, they're hiding. Uh, what is it? He came on yesterday and did um, address the nation, and all he did was talk about COVID, and he had yeah. nothing to say about what's going on in Afghanistan whenever he has been. I think he did some interview with that uh, George uh, Snuffleupagus guy, and uh, he said um, you know, he wasn't taking blame. He was pointing fingers where he specifically said he would not um, blame anyone else for any of his failures and he's specifically doing that. Uh, we're seeing it firsthand here. He's blaming it on the Trump administration um, which is I think everybody sees past this and I've got a, have gotta you know really pat the media on the back for bringing this out and not letting it drop either uh, For yep. most of the media outlets, uh, they have really been hanging on to this and trying to get him to be accountable for this and and step up and address not only America but the world in this this utter failure that um, that they that they uh, have done with Afghanistan here and uh, I you know I wanted you guys specifically I was hoping that you would talk about this because you are. Um, veterans, and and I think the majority of you guys probably did some time uh, in Afghanistan, and I kind of wanted to just get your firsthand account on this. Uh, does anyone else want to chime in on this?
0: Well, like I like I told, uh, is it Marty? Sure. I, I, as I told Marty before, you guys got on. You know, as far as jack wagons go, these Democrats and and Joe Biden, they're they're easy targets. I mean. They, they can't seem to, to do anything uh, effectively. That they, they might talk a good game about uh, an idea, but the minute you ask them two or three follow-up questions, it all turns to shit. They, they are no the execution. biggest
1: jokes. Yeah. I'm sorry? Let's say there's no execution. Yeah.
0: They, they, they got no plan. They got no follow-through. They, they, the people that elect these, these uh, jack wagons into office um, there's, I they're almost to me like they have some sort of physiological difference from somebody that has rational thinking and planning skills and and uh, just common sense and yeah. you know I hope that this I hope that this destroys this presidency I I, I want to advocate for every president Democrat or Republican. To be a good president, um, you well, know, I, that's the thing I, I with this,
1: though, too, is it, it's salvageable. They could salvage this. Uh, you know, there's a way that, that it could be salvaged and, you know, they could save face here and they could save lives. You know, the, the sure. biggest thing uh, that could happen here. But it doesn't seem well, like they want, to, Mark, they want to do that.
3: I, that. I, I don't think they can salvage anything. That's the problem with this administration is they're not capable of salvaging Jack. Yeah. You know, that, that's where we have to deal with reality. The, we, we are seeing a total failure when it comes to any form of leadership, of uh, ownership and a willingness to accept yeah. responsibility for poor decision making. And until you do that, you can't begin to fix anything. Yeah. And, so I don't, and
1: think let me rephrase it. I don't think it's salvageable by them. Yeah, I think very, if they turn the reins over to people who know what the hell they're doing, then exactly. yes, it is. It can, it still can be salvageable, but they have to have, um, you know, the hubris. I guess is the word I want to use, and and step down and let the right people take this over. You know, that's that's <laughs> yeah, the great okay. thing about leadership is uh, being able to delegate you know and that's what he needs to do right here is he just needs to step back and say you know or somebody needs to pull him back his puppet handlers uh, and say you know this is beyond you this is beyond us let's let the experts handle this
3: well you know and there's the challenge is he is he has surrounded himself with imbeciles <laughs> and yeah. the man running the state department John McCain called him out 5 years ago and what is the only times on the Senate floor that John McCain has publicly chastised someone that a president, President Obama, tried to set him up as an undersecretary and said that he was incapable and was a total failure when it comes to his ability to try and lead uh, anything within the, the American framework for setting us up for success and that's who's now leading the State Department. There, there, There is no one for this administration to fall back on right now. The, the Secretary of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs are the wrong people to have in place at this point in history as well. So it's who do they fall on because he's chosen the wrong people to be leaders within this administration and... At this point, there's no salvaging anything because there's no one within the administration that can lead us out of this situation. Right. So it it's a disgrace at every level.
0: I agree. And I, I just want to add one thing without getting too far away from the topic of Afghanistan is that's this these. These type of people, their whole mindset, their whole mindset is it's somebody else's fault. Every shortcoming, every bad decision, every bad outcome is always someone else's fault. Either racism or white supremacy or Trumpers or it's always something. It's never it's never their policies, you know, and and I it just baffles my mind that these people elect because they all think the same and they 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 elect somebody knowing that yeah, whatever their policy is, it it might sound good. But, but it's like not I in said, sync get,
1: and it's, 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 you know, a dream. It's a pipe dream and it, it, it can is. never be executed it, a without dream a, dream a, totally, a huge sacrifice it, it, it somewhere can. else. Yeah. Exactly.
0: And, and that's how they, they approach everything. Oh, I'm poor. Well, that's, you know, society's fault or I'm discriminated against. That's, White people's fault, or you know, it, it goes all all the way up to when it, you know, crescendos into something like Afghanistan. Afghanistan, this decision that they've made, these people are completely incompetent. They, they, and, and we got to think it's not just one guy. I mean, there's roomfuls of, uh, of people that are that are supposedly supposed to be strategizing and taking this thing through, but they got their priorities all well, upside we assume, down and backward.
1: We assume there's a room full of people. I mean, we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes there. You know, who, who knows it's, it's sheer and complete chaos. What about you, uh, Chris or, or Michael, you guys got any, anything you want to say?
2: Well, one thing that I would say, and one thing that I, when some of the people I worry about is not only the, the, Uh, estimate of between 5,000 and 10,000 American uh, uh, citizens that are are still over there behind lines, whether they went over there uh, to help with the government or whether they went over there to help dig wells for the local tribes and stuff, Uh, they're still there and they can't get into the cities. But one thing, uh, when I served over in Iraq, I noticed uh, our interpreter, um, ISIS killed his uh, mother and his father his sisters and brothers, all of his cousins, his aunts and uncles. They killed his grandparents. He was the only one left. And they did all this because he was working with us. And so when I think about this insane uh, uh, drawback and and pull out that they did, um, what about the people that helped us? You know, it's all fun and games until all of a sudden, you know, we're safe. But the people that helped us and thought they were going to be safe are kind of thrown to the wolves.
1: Well, not kind of. They are. They were, and I've heard other stories of uh, of other Afghans that were helping the Americans uh, that have been hung, publicly hung, and executed, and uh, since all this is, has happened, and of course you don't hear about that in the news. They're not. They're not showing that in the news, but you're hearing from you know personal people that he's like, you know, I just got word that my friend such and such was just you know shot by ISIS because he was our interpreter, or, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, it's just you know it's completely a disaster as is, is what's happening and and you're right uh, Lance is uh, I, I don't know that it is sal- salvageable at this point but um, they can still do something you know they can still send people back I don't know I don't know what needs to be done but um, it's got to be corrected somehow some way and you um, I'm just proud of the Americans for the outpouring of, of rage and disgust that I've been seeing that's actually been making it to the social medias, the actual media itself. Of course, CNN, you're not seeing a lot of it still that. You know, they're still focusing on COVID and uh, this this bombing that happened today. Did you guys hear about the bomb threat at the Capitol? Yeah, there was a bomb threat. Some Some Bubba, some Bubba truck with a white dude pulls up. Uh, to the was it the library? Uh, yeah, uh, Brandon knows about. It. Yeah, the li-
0: library of Congress.
1: Library of Congress uh, with a bomb threat. Uh, supposedly they have defused the situation, pun intended. Uh, took the guy in custody, but you know, who knows if we'll hear any more about that or not. And you know, and what was the real purpose in that? You know, it seems like whenever you've got a major catastrophe that an administration is going through or having to face, you know, if they're having to face the music, something else kind of creeps up to take your, your attention away from it. And this just seemed all too convenient. Again, Brandon and I were talking off air about this. It just seemed like a convenience that, that really didn't work out for them. It got diffused probably a lot quicker than they, um, they had hoped it would, but um, thank God nobody was hurt there. And um, it turned, I think it's going to be like a domestic, some issue or something, but. Anyway, there's a good jack wagon. That is a great jack wagon. And, again, I just wanted to get your guys' views on, uh, you know, the whole Afghanistan debacle that we're going through uh, because you all, I think most of you did, serve over there at some point in time. And we lost Michael, looks like. Uh, Hopefully he'll come back. Are you guys getting those storms? Any storms from that uh, series of tropical things that are going on? We're getting a little bit here, but not a whole lot. Not much in Indiana, Texas. Y'all not getting anything?
0: Nothing here. My, my, my work is weather-based, so I, I, I hope we get, some, we get
3: some bad storms so I can go back to work.
1: Arkansas looked like y'all were getting hit pretty good.
3: We got a good bit of rain today. Um, and it's been that way yesterday and today, and I think it's going to wrap up tomorrow. But uh, mainly just a little bit of rain, not a lot of anything beyond that.
1: Yeah, so I mean that's another thing that sheepdog does and does well are disaster recovery missions. I've been uh, uh, privileged to take part in a couple of those. And are you are you seeing anything from these this round of tropical storms that's going to require y'all's attention?
3: Not as of now, and it we've transitioned a good bit as an organization where it it takes a good bit for us to deploy. Yeah. Um, you know, from a, a major damage standpoint is what we focus on and not as much, you know, small, you know, interactions, whether it be a small tornado or minor flooding or something. So yeah. um, it would have to be something pretty major at this point.
1: Well, I know prior COVID, right before COVID uh, took over the universe, uh, we had some, some pretty bad tornadoes here in Tennessee and Sheepdog organized a team to come down here and uh, I think it was a little more than just a small tornado, uh, but uh, we greatly appreciate the the efforts and the the team that came down here to Tennessee and did all that. Did you come down for that, Chris? Okay, so I, did I meet you when you were here? Yeah,
2: I believe so. I believe we met in that one neighborhood that was it was pretty pretty jacked up. Uh, I think you came around the corner and we were doing some work for a few houses down there. Yeah, yeah
1: we met yeah i thought we met before uh everybody had on their their gear and everything so it was <laughs> it was hard to recognize everybody but uh yeah like great
2: you, you can't remember who you remember because they you were always wearing a mask <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah we were getting prepared for the covet i guess uh, and then right after that you know we everybody gets hit with the COVID. so tennessee was hit pretty hard back to back to back there with um with stuff um have you guys done anything with the COVID? Have you been, are there any kind of missions or anything that's required you guys to get involved with, with anything? Yeah. With COVID?
3: We were very busy all of last year. We did a lot of, um, a lot of work when it came to delivering, you know, medical supplies, PPE from the beginning till, um, for about a solid 12 months, we were very busy in treating COVID like a, uh, a major national disaster, and uh, Chris McKay was someone that really set the bar high on making uh, making masks. When uh, the nation was running low on masks, he was making them by hand and delivering through delivering them throughout his community, and even shipped us quite a few for distribution in uh, in areas that we were delivering to nationally. So, um, I think as things started to wind down. Back in uh, early spring, we started to uh, kind of phase out, especially as supply chains got caught up with medical supplies, masks, et cetera. And I think most, most companies started shifting to home deliveries of meals and things. We, in the early days, were delivering to elderly families, mm-hmm. um, families that might have underlying medical conditions and couldn't leave the house uh, to do shopping, et cetera. And so we really, we worked hard to fill that void for a lot of people that uh, were kind of trapped in, uh, trapped in limbo, but uh, we stayed busy and uh, we were impressed nationwide to see how much our, uh, our teams and chapters and our members nationwide stepped up to contribute in their communities. And uh, we really had a big impact.
1: Very good. We're talking with Sergeant Major Lance Nutt. He is the, uh, the founder of Sheepdog Impact Assistance an organization designed to uh, keep veterans off the couch. Get off the couch is their, their slogan, uh, and they do that by uh, ways that we're talking about here, the de- disaster recovery missions, uh, the adventures that you have, the outdoor adventures. Uh, you've added a couple of uh, different things, I think since the last time we talked, uh, too, that you guys are, are doing. I saw something um, – Warrior Path, yes, the Warrior the Path
3: edition of our programs. Uh, warrior Path is a partnership in conjunction with Boulder Crest uh, Foundation, and it's uh, it's all about working from the standpoint of helping our veterans and first responders with uh, mental wellness training. Uh, it's based on post traumatic growth, the concept of post traumatic growth that from your trauma you can actually use it to grow into a better stronger person um and then we we stress the importance of putting it in its proper place so if you experience trauma in your life it's important that you do not let it define who you are today and who you will become in the future uh and that's the big work behind our warrior path program training is uh teaching our nation's veterans and first responders how to properly manage Post-traumatic stress, uh, post-traumatic stress, and transition it into post-traumatic growth. So um, that's the big piece on where we are. And as you show the kind of the, the working triangle there, it's uh, it's engaging you to get off the couch uh, through our outdoor adventure programs, where we introduce the Warrior Path concept, um, and then that in turn is driven into the service side of you got to continue giving. You've got to find a new purpose and whether it's through our disaster response missions or identifying, um, small needs or large needs in your community, whether it's a homeless, homeless challenge for homeless veterans and you volunteering at a homeless shelter or helping to clean up an inner city park that's, you know, damaged and the children can't use it anymore. You go in there and and get it back, uh, functional. Um, there's a there's a big focus on us driving veterans and first responders to get back out into their communities, and make a difference.
1: Absolutely, and you guys do a, a very good job of that. Uh, and another one is the the outdoor adventures that you guys do. Is the the Kilimanjaro is that considered one of your outdoor adventure? Uh,
3: programs? It is. Uh, it was our first international outdoor adventure, and. Typically not something that we would do, but we had a major sponsor here that one of our uh, members, Scott West, um, who was a double amputee, uh, this sponsor, um, Sam's Furniture here in Northwest Arkansas, heard that uh, Scott had a passion and a dream of climbing Mount Kilimanjaro as a double amputee, and um, Joe Donaldson and Lara Donaldson, uh, the owners of that business, stepped up and said, we want to make that dream come true for Scott. And we'd like to surround him with fellow veterans that can help him achieve that dream. And so there was a total of 12 of us on the team, uh, and not just Scott West as a double amputee, but also Travis strong, who uh, has no prosthetics because he lost his legs so high up on his hips uh he basically hopped on his hands and his butt um for 3 days up the mountain before he physically you know just met uh met the wall that uh, he couldn't go any further but uh There's a picture of him uh, somewhere i'm trying to get to <laughs> uh, you uh, that's that's the team you know obviously hiking and uh yeah if you show a picture of, of Travis it's it's powerful from a standpoint of, uh,
1: it's here. I know I saw it. <laughs> I saw a couple yeah. of pictures of, it.
3: Um, is that photo, one of him here. No,
1: that's not him. Is it?
3: That's Scott West there. You can see that uh, he had to take a break and remove his prosthetics. And, uh, so the, the porters helped carry him a little ways while he rested his legs. So Scott's kind put,
1: of the, 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 the spark that started this huh, for you guys
3: does the spark based on his his dream to uh, accomplish summiting that mountain, and he did. Uh, and the team that was with him, obviously, um, you know, helped make that possible by encouraging him to really push on and persevere. Uh, and it's still pretty amazing. To there he is. There's yeah, Travis. There's Travis. And then, uh, of course, Noah Galloway. Uh, Dancing with the Stars and Men's Fitness Fame.
1: Men's <laughs> do what?
3: <laughs> yeah, Noah Galloway is a double amputee uh, veteran. He's missing uh, an arm and a leg, uh, and he uh, he's famous for uh, being on Dancing with the Stars. And actually, was the runner-up winner on that. Dan- right there, that's this guy? that's no, that's Noah Galloway right there.
1: Okay. I had no idea. I don't watch Dancing with the Stars. So.
3: No, not many of us do, but uh, <laughs> all of his wives and girlfriends have made it very clear that uh, they all fell in love with him when he was competing on Dancing with the Stars.
1: Very good.
3: He had also made the cover of uh, either men's fitness or men's health as the fittest man in America. Wow. Uh, and I think he it was on the cover. I think it was... Either a 2015 or 16 edition of uh, yeah. one of
1: those. Say so again, you're you're gonna say something?
3: Oh,
2: it, it was men's health. Sergeant major was correct.
3: Men, men's health.
2: So,
1: so, but, so but so powerful. But you all were there. You all took part two um, during the this this journey. So, kind of give us a a. A breakdown from start to finish. So the the concept came about. Uh, Scott had this dream. Um, some some very honorable people stepped up to make it to make it happen. Um, and then you came up with the idea. Well, let's get more people involved with this. Let's get more sheep dogs involved. And you guys started kind of a, a fundraiser for this. Um, how did you pick your team? How did you pick the people that were going to to go on this journey. And then what did you guys do to prepare for it? Because it's not like, you know, walking up a Clingman's dome in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Yeah. It's, it's, this is like one of the, the highest points in the, in the world. I think it's like the fifth largest mountain or something like that.
3: It's fourth tallest mountain in the world. And it's the tallest freestanding mountain in the world. Um, so, I mean, it's
1: no joke. Is like thirteen people die a year at this. You know, trying to climb up this thing. It's it's no joke.
3: Yeah, it. And I think that's probably something that the team really learned to appreciate quickly. Was that it, it's advertised as one of the easiest big mountains in the world, but that's a very relative statement when you're hiking up to nineteen thousand feet, <laughs> yeah. and. You're hiking over some pretty formidable terrain, uh, and the team took, we started on one of the longest routes, which is an eight-day Lamosho route, which is designed to give you more time to acclimate before you go for the summit, but it also gets you on your feet for a much longer period of time and just physically really wears you down. And that's ultimately where Travis just you know, 14-hour days of climbing over rocks and, um, you know, going miles on his hands and butt, just hopping along really took a toll. But we, uh, we, we, we tried to surround ourselves as the team with just a really good group of solid individuals that we knew would not give up and would support one another in this endeavor so in selecting the team and looking at uh, who we wanted to have join us uh, you know Chris and Brandon and Michael uh, and Chris McKay Chris Jackson all of the individuals that we really chose were in many ways hand picked based on we us knowing their mental fortitude and a willingness to challenge and support one another in whatever way it took. And you know, I I, I speak for the team just from the standpoint of uh, I think an endeavor like this, you you can't really train enough, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I say physically you can prepare, but mentally is when. You face uh, a challenge that sometimes it's it's really hard to train for something that's going to tax you mentally, the way this mountain did.
1: You can't really uh, train for the altitude, how the altitude's going to affect you either, because everybody's body is different, everybody's physiology is different, and you don't really know until you put your body into that, um, you know, that situation. So you could, like you said, you could physically train and be the you know Olympic type fitness and then you know you get up there and that altitude um, sickness that I guess they call it uh, can hit you
3: yeah and that's probably the uh, the area that you see tri- triathlon athletes some of the best professional athletes in the world trying to climb mountains like Kilimanjaro and Everest. And it's the one defining mark that separates everybody, or or equalizes everyone, from the standpoint that no matter how good a shape you're in, the altitude doesn't care, and you see, or the people they're not make it to the summit because the altitude, you know, knocks them down. So uh, it is. It's that. It's that one area that you cannot train for because you so few people live at any sort of elevation like that. Uh, So getting ready for it, um, other than just getting your body in as good a shape as you can, is about the only way to do it. Now I must disclose as well that I made it to day three. I arrived in Africa sick uh, with an upper respiratory infection. And I was hoping that I could just hike it and sweat it out. And I made it to day three and, a lot of why i just kept pushing myself was thinking i'm just gonna walk and sweat this crap out of my body and the higher i got in altitude we made it to 12,000 feet uh it just started compounding the issue and so when travis made the decision that he needed to come down um i had to make the decision at the same time to come down so of us 12 two of us did not summit myself and travis but the rest of the team 10 uh, made it all the way to the top. Uh, nice, and I, you know, couldn't be more proud of them. And uh, Travis and I certainly cheered them on from you know at the base of the mountain. But uh, you got you got to give kudos to Brandon and Chris that are both on the call with us. To, uh, that let them kind of take the story moving forward uh, to really share some of the adversity that they faced uh, as they continued on uh, from that twelve thousand foot point to the summit
1: yeah let me uh let me ask brandon so brandon what uh what possessed you to want to to take on this journey and uh, tackle Killy? kelly is that what you call it mount Kilimanjaro.
0: Mount Kili, <laughs> yeah you know i i never aspired to go, climb Kilimanjaro or or any of the 14ers in colorado it's just never been on my list uh, of something to do but when the uh, Sergeant Major asked me if I would you know, like to go on this, uh, you know, this adventure, and he told me who was going to be a part of it, it was a done deal. I mean, there, there was no saying no to it. I mean, being able to walk next to guys like the guys that were on this uh, adventure um, is is what I, what I, you know, I, I live to do. Um, There's no bigger honor for me. Than to uh walk next to these guys especially these combat wounded um individuals and you know these, these warriors and so you know it was there was no question uh, about wanting to do it once he told me the you know some of the details and who was going um that's what sold me
1: even though he said Scott was going you still wanted to go
0: well, I'd already committed at that point, and I think it was, you know, I, I didn't want to look like I was uh, wishy-washy. So,
1: We were really going to give Scott a hard time. I hate it that he didn't join us.
0: Uh, I, I knew I'd have a cuddling buddy, you know, once I found <laughs> out he was going. I know he wasn't shy about that.
1: Right. So what did you personally do um, to get ready for this this journey?
0: Well, living in the panhandle of Texas – um, there's not a lot of altitude around here. You know, we have Powder Canyon, which is, a, I think, the second to, only to uh, to the Grand Canyon. So there's a big hole in the ground. So I, I, I did maybe the opposite of what I should have done. I yeah. went down in elevation. You were below
1: sea level instead of above yeah. Level. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: And so I just, uh, you know, it was, for me, it was just about uh, putting miles on my boots and uh, had weight on my back. So I did a, a, a lot of walking, a lot of rucking. And um, I walked h- here at home. I'll go down there and train, you know, under a, 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 an uneven terrain. And uh, I was able to climb a little bit and, and get my wind and stuff. But I can tell you, you can, you can do that all day long um, as much as you want. Nothing prepares you. For, unless you live on a mountain at altitude, nothing's going to prepare you for the uh, – for the, uh, the, the toll that, that it takes on you being on the ground on the mountain.
1: Yeah. And and I guess having the group that you have with you also helps, you know, as far as the mental aspect of it, uh, because I can see, I see mentally, uh, like you said, uh, we talked a little bit off air and you talked about, you'd got a strain on your knee and, um, earlier on in the hike. And I mean, it was an eight day um, adventure that you guys were on. And, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people, if they didn't have that type of encouragement and people behind them, they probably would have just called it quits and, and stopped. But you kept on. pushed through. Yeah. And I, you
0: know, I was dedicated to, to, in my own mind, uh, as far as doing, doing the whole thing on my own, you know, I took a knee brace and once I hurt my knee, I didn't even want to wear the knee brace. I felt like that was cheating. Um, I was cheating myself, you know, I wasn't cheating anybody else and my knee was already in bad shape going into it. So it's not something I hadn't lived with before. Um, but yeah, when I did injure it, uh, I think on day three, it was concerning. Yeah. Um, but it, it held, it held. So I got down, I had a pretty good limp, I think at the bottom, uh, the guys can attest to that. Um, but, um, What you were saying, as far as the camaraderie and the the motivation and just, you know, seeing the guys walking next to you, everybody's got their own struggle, they're in their own minds uh, on the trail, and the encouragement coming from, you know, from every direction um, was, was, uh, just made it easy. It really made it much easier than than it probably would be otherwise.
1: How about you, Chris? Um, Talk about the preparations that you made for this adventure and um, kind of how it uh, took a toll on you, if any. Well, yeah, well, being a uh, a former paratrooper in the
2: infantry, I would say uh, one of the things that best got me ready for this mission would have been uh, cigars and moonshine.
1: <laughs> um, nice.
2: <laughs> uh, like like uh, Brandon said, you know, there's not really a lot that you can do, especially here in Indiana, you know, it's sort of flat everywhere. And uh, so I basically just put weight, you know, miles on my shoes and weight on my back. Um, the, the crazy thing about it is since I've been involved with Sheepdog, I'm one of the OA guides that helps them with some of their adventures. And so what I do is, uh, you know, they give me a mission. They give me a task and a purpose. They, they tell me what I need to do. You know, hey, we've got this mission. This is the, this is the info you need. Uh, can you help us? And so I'm usually there to help. And what I do is uh, I, I pass the national registry. I have my EMT license um, or had it at one time. You know, it's not current right now. But um, so being I have a little bit of medical training background, they always kind of give me like the medic pack and I, I carry it. But I always put, you know, a dozen half, you know, two dozen um, bottled waters in my backpack. And so over the years of being with Sheepdog, one of the things that has helped me is carrying water for our, our veterans that are on an outdoor adventure or on a disaster or anything like that. So, you know, well, well, whether you know it or not, sometimes in life you're training, um, for something that you don't know is about to come. So I'd I'd have to thank Sheepdog for the past few years of, you know, basically getting me off the couch, getting me active, walking up hills, mountain biking. I'm doing all these different activities that made me, um, uh, strong enough to complete this mission and did it at a, at a rate that was so slow, you know, I didn't realize that I was uh, a better shape than I was, you know, (laughs) you surprised yourself. (laughs) I did. I really did. But you know, it's a, it's really awesome to get off the couch and especially like those days that you were hurting up there on the mountain, you know, you could turn around and see somebody else is hurting too. And for me is when I usually start motivating other people, I stop thinking about myself so running around and asking anybody if they needed anything, and you know, just talking to them, talking to, telling them a story, telling my story, you know, just a uh, kind of bullshit. Uh, they say when you have good conversation or music,
1: it makes the mountain flat. <laughs> did you have good music? Did you have somebody that was uh, entertaining you with music? We, we did. Um, what at first?
2: Um, now I'm somebody when I like going for walks. I, I don't really like music or anything like that. This is one of those ones. Uh, I didn't like it at first, but eventually I seen that it was it was kind of helpful. So kept you
1: kept you going, kept you motivated. I'm sure Scott oh, had absolutely. a lot to do with that too, with the comedic relief, right?
2: Yeah, well, you know, he he wore me out because I was kicking him in the ass so much and made me
1: tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'll him, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pick on him because he's not here to defend himself. That's what he gets for not. But it was it was a good adventure.
2: I love being around my brothers, you know, and then finding Brandon. You know, he he's a fellow. He was a ranger, and uh, last time I was on a mountain uh, was Dahlonega, Georgia, in mountain phase of ranger school, and I got injured, injured my back, and so going to the top of this mountain was really powerful for me because you know last time I was on a mountain, you know, it broke my back. So it's it's one of those things. It's like. I I can do it. I can still push myself. I can still do things that are hard. Although I'm hurting for it right now, um, that doesn't mean that I can't do it in the future again. You know, you just got to condition yourself. Um, The most important thing when doing anything is just adding weight and miles on your shoes.
1: There you go. Mind over matter and friends friends can't hurt, right? Yeah, you know what they say, mind over matter. If you don't mind, it don't matter. Don't matter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I've got a picture of. Is this the route that you guys took, the Limosho route? That's right. Yes, you can see. You can
2: see as we entered there at the west, we came down up northwest. Uh, we came down that trail that way, uh, and then where you see it loop and curve back around counterclockwise, that's that's uh, right there where the arrow is. Up is base camp, mm-hmm. and so what we did is we up up, we, and we hit right there a Peak. And as you can see, the one that heads to the south, that's the trail that we took right back down.
1: Okay. So this is the one you went up? No. Nope. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. we went up We went up that one. And
0: when we get to Barafu, that's your base camp on the right there. Barafu, right there where the Y is.
1: I'm looking for it. I don't see a Y. Right,
0: right where the lines intersect, the orange line, Barafu. Oh, no, right there, right down here. Okay. Yeah, that's your base camp. That's where we, we stopped. And on this trip, we, we took, uh, we pushed through, um, went from Baranco through Karanga, where we would have stopped. So we went to the east there from Baranco to Karanga. And then we pushed through Karanga to Barafu. And typically, we would have stopped at Karanga for the night. Mm-hmm. But because we were pulling such long days um, with Scott and Noah, um we weren't getting any downtime so typically i think you walk five or six hours uh, around that uh, a day and you get into your camps around you know early afternoon two three o'clock and then you kick off your boots you wash up you relax you uh, um acclimate and uh, we just weren't getting that we were we were pulling 12 14 hour days every day getting into camp after dark um And so we made a command decision to push from Bronco through Karenga to Barafu in one day so that we would have 30 hours of downtime so Mm. that uh, Scott and Noah could, you know, let their, uh, let their, uh, you know, their, their, or their, or their prosthetics attached, let them, let them kind of uh, rest and heal up because they were getting some pretty serious,
1: uh, you know, sores. Yeah.
2: And then once you go
1: from one of the things to go ahead, Chris.
2: Well, I was going to say to add to what he was saying, um, like Noah and and Scott, one of the things that was happening was doing this, you know, 12 to 14 hours a day, walking and standing uh, and climbing. It was making their their stubs swell. So when their stubs would swell, it was hard for them to get their prosthetics either on or off. And so. You know, there was there was a, a, a lot of hang ups there that we were dealing with, you know, that, that uh, kind of would hinder and make us, you know, uh, um, have such long hours.
1: Yeah. Now, as far as time wise, um, did it take you guys any longer than normal? I mean, I would I would think that probably took you a little bit longer than normal to, to accomplish this. What's the normal? It was uh, it was taken about
2: twice as long. Um, is what we were kind of estimating, May- maybe minus an hour, because um, you know it'd well, be four to six hours for the walk, and you know twelve to fourteen later, you know we're kind of just now coming into camp, or you know. Uh, so we did it in the we did it in the same amount of days that a typical eight out
0: eight day uh, hike would would be on this route. Yeah, we had eight days uh, delegated for it, and. We did it in the eight days, but we did it about the, the hardest possible way you could do it. We did 12, 14-hour days um, every day, and um, that's why we made the little uh, command decision there that the last before uh, to up to base camp. Um, but we didn't extend it any more days or anything. We just did more walking and putting in more gotcha. hours. Than,
1: Put more than, hours in the day than, than most people exactly, do. exactly. To get done in the, exactly, yeah. the eight-day time yeah. frame. And then yeah. three
0: of them, Sebastian, Scott, and Noah, they all got uh, stretchered down the hill.
1: Okay, I was gonna say because once you go up, you got to come back down too. And that's right. <laughs>
0: that's, yeah, and that last did they that move? last day, Marty. Yeah. Uh, when you go from base camp to the summit, you start walking okay. at midnight. So Scott started walking at ten o'clock at night, and we started moving at, at midnight to catch up with him. And you walked for about. Seven and a half, eight hours before you ever get to the top. So you're walking uphill for seven to eight hours uh, until sunrise, yeah. and then hopefully you're on uh, Stella Point or uh, Huro uh, Peak or whatever um, for the sunrise. And then you've got another, say, four hours down back to base camp, and then. You push on through base camp to the Millennium um, Camp, and that's where you, yeah, that's right. you stop for the night.
1: But this is uh, over here, the port, uh, they land Darcy. That's where you guys started, right? Here?
0: That's where we started, yeah, lender Rossi Gate.
1: How long did it take you to get from here to the base camp? Uh,
0: six full days, I think, Chris, wasn't it? Wow. Six. Yeah,
2: days.
0: it was uh,
2: six full days. And, like, he was talking about – Uh, when we got to the base camp and we were able to uh, rest for a little bit, well, what happened is uh, I figured, you know, maybe I need to go ahead with some of these guys. So I left with them at 10. And uh, on the first team out, we had two teams going. Um, And so being that I had some medical experience, you know, I figured I'd ride with them. So we uh, started going up the mountain. Um, Noah was doing great. And uh, you could tell as we hit elevation, He just started getting more and more incoherent. And uh, so in the middle of the summit for Noah, uh, he almost became unresponsive. You know, he wasn't unconscious, but he just you could call his name. He didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had to basically hurry up and carry him back down the mountain. Um, And luckily, uh, I I ran into these guys who were two hours behind us. So uh, I just ate up two hours of climb. (laughs) And uh, they were like, what are you doing? I said, hey, I'm heading down with Noah. You know, um, I'm just going to scratch it. Uh, Noah's pretty bad shape. I'm going to take care of him. Well, a lot of the porters and our guides, they're uh, EMT and paramedic qualified. So they talked to me. And then by the time we got to where the guys were uh, that left at midnight, um, Noah started coming back around and started talking and everything. It was amazing to see what altitude can do to somebody you know? Yeah. And, uh, so, is that what was so going with on that, with
1: him? was it, was his altitude sickness?
2: Yes. Yeah. He was passing out. He didn't have enough air and his brain. Basically was just shutting oh, down. Man. And, uh, um, our guy, Kelvin, who was, uh, taking him down with me, he said, he's got this, um, you know, he, he'll take care of it. So, uh, I linked up with these other guys and then had to walk right back up the mountain where I just came from. <laughs> See. You did a it little was, double dip, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was it was it was a little uh un- unintended uh, traveling that I had. Well, to do Marty, he was
0: he was trying to go down with him. I got to say, uh, Nemo and Chris were the glue for the team. I mean, Chris really really encouraged people and looked out for people and really was uh, selfless in his uh, approach to this whole thing. And he was like he said he was going to go down with Noah. After Noah uh, succumbed to altitude sickness, and we all had to yell at Chris and say, "Hey, what are you doing? You're right here, you know. Yeah, you, you can't go down. You got to go up. And uh, you know, don't don't take good care of him." And so he took a little bit of convincing, but he, uh, he 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 turned around and went back up the mountain with us.
1: Is Lance still with us? Is he still in the car? Is he is he off right now? I know he had to go pick up uh, his daughter. Um, yeah am still here. Oh, okay. Oh, there he is. I was gonna say at what point here you said at some point uh, you had to bail, which point did you bail on?
3: Uh day three. We were at uh I Shira don't remember three, the name
1: of the camp. somewhere around here. Shira one.
3: Yep. Shira two, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, we were cause it was day three. And uh Chris, Brandon, you remember the name of the camp? Yeah, it was Shira two, I believe. Sure um, you guys left out the right. next. Yeah, you left out on day three. And uh yeah, Shira Camp. That that sounds right. So Shira two. Shira sure two, right?
1: So did you just did you turn around and go back to the uh, the Landarossi or did you go this way? No, there's
3: a at, at certain points along each uh trail section. There's extraction points where you walk uh walk a certain distance we had to walk about two hours they carried travis uh with us for about a two hour walk to an extraction point point. Uh, and there one of the kilimanjaro park rangers uh, picked us up at that point and uh, they took me straight to the hospital and then they took travis uh back to the room they had to put me on an iv and pump me full of antibiotics uh, to try to get whatever crap I had going on. I was running a fever at that point and, uh, not real sure still, uh, what it is that hit me, but just get the
1: flu or it, something.
3: Yeah. It, the doctor actually kept telling me I had COVID, but the tests kept coming back negative. So he was kind of stumped. Um, but it,
1: yeah, I it can't clogged. call it COVID.
3: What am I going to call it? Oh no. yeah, that was, <laughs> Right. That, that's the crazy thing. And, uh, he said all my symptoms, you know, my lungs were filled up with fluid. That's called My head was uh, <laughs> congested. I was running a fever and he just basically kept saying, you have all the symptoms of COVID, uh, but the tests keep yeah. coming back negative. They drew blood and, uh, but it did, it was probably the sickest I've been. And the last time I remember being that sick was with the flu in college and, uh, I, I, once they got me out of the hospital and to the hotel, I slept for three days straight Yeah, uh, until I started to have any sense of feeling normal again. But, uh, like, it, uh, it, 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 like the it flu. was a butt kicker. Like yeah. Flu. I, I, I'm betting it was just the flu. And, uh I, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, and you would compound that with altitude. It was like the higher we sure. kept going up, it just, it made the situation that much worse. And you, you've got to learn from. if anything I learned from that was the importance of listening to your body. And I, you know, I was resisting listening to it. And if Travis had not decided he had hit his limit, I probably would have kept pushing on just from the standpoint of how do you quit when you got somebody without legs, you know, pushing themselves up the mountain. Right. But, um, him quitting made it easier for me to go. Well, can't let him go down the mountain by himself. And at this point, my body is saying the same thing. So
1: he was your savior.
3: um, (laughs) Yeah. I was glad at that point that he called it because it gave me the ability to call it.
1: Yeah. Talk about, you really, go ahead.
3: I was just going to say, you really, you really,
0: I mean, it was a smart decision. It was a selfless decision too. I think, uh, no matter how he portrays it, because you're putting the whole thing at risk and you are putting yourself in greater jeopardy, the higher you get, the, the routes off the mountain get get less available. You know, they get farther out where they can get a car up. So uh, I think at that, that point, he just didn't have any choice.
1: Yeah. So talk about, you know, these eight days and the pictures that I've been showing, uh, the scenery. And you guys were in, this is in Africa, Tanzania, is that right?
0: Tanzania. Um,
1: talk about the... The the change in scenery from from when you started, as you ascended uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, and then of course coming back down, you went a different route coming back down.
0: Well, the scenery was amazing, and Chris will attest to this because he's he's uh what what are you a master gardener or something, Chris? <laughs> he's got I'm serious, he's got yeah. a, quite a bit of knowledge about this
1: stuff. I think he's lawnmowers running running the yeah, I, uh... around there too. <laughs> I've got my
2: advanced master gardener through uh, the Gibson County Purdue Extension and Purdue University.
1: So you're not kidding. <laughs> no. <I'm> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you, just, you
0: you start off in the in the jungle and uh, you know there's monkeys and and uh, just beautiful scenery everywhere. I mean everywhere you look is uh, is a is a picturesque moment. And, um, that, that's up to, uh, to Siri one and then series one to series two. I think that's, uh, that's a plateau and the, the vegetation starts getting a little more sparse and then, uh, uh, eventually you get the higher you get, you know, eventually there's no vegetation at all. It's just rocks. It looks like you're walking on the moon.
1: Are you seeing um, any, any, uh, wildlife as you're out, you know, birds or anything like that?
0: Yeah. Well, there, there was quite a few different, different birds. It, it wasn't like, uh, like walking through the zoo or something, but we saw, yeah. we saw a lot of, we saw a lot of monkeys we had some monkeys come in and, and steal some food from some of the guys that were, that turned their back, you know, for two seconds they came down a tree and, and snatched it up and, and
1: this would be at the lower this, altitude though, right?
0: This was down in the jungle. Yeah. This was day one or at the end of uh, the start of day two. Um, and so that there was a little bit of that, uh, lots of insects, but as you got higher, you didn't have any of that stuff. No birds. I mean, you look out the, the beauty of this is I think on day three, and Chris, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Day three, we were so high that the clouds were below us. And so when you looked out off of the mountain, it was like looking at an ocean, but it was all clouds. Oh, and you wow. could just see a, you could see another mountain peak kind of peeking up through that, uh, that sheet of, of, uh, clouds. It was, it was uh, amazing. Cause you don't ever really see anything like that unless you're in an airplane or something.
1: Yeah. So these pictures that I'm cycling through right now, is this at the, the beginning of the, the hike or is this I at think the that's end? The,
0: that's the hotel or the lodge we were staying at.
1: Before the hike or after?
0: Yeah. Before. Well, yeah, yeah this, this is
1: before. before okay. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, this is on the way, I think. This is day isn't This day one on the way up to Landerosi Gate.
1: We had stopped for a bathroom.
0: Say again? Is this one of your guides here? That is Rachel. Um, she also uh, fell out on day three. Um, uh, she couldn't deal with the cold, with the weather aspect of it. And uh, she had something to do, I think, with the safari that we went on after.
2: Yeah. Okay. She works she works for the safari company that we also tagged on to. So she knows the people that run the the uh Yangi Adventures um for right there for Kilimanjaro mm-hmm. and uh he also runs I think his name is Praise. He also runs the uh safari. So when we did the climb after the climb we did the safari and they were kind of all interlinked in there.
1: Okay. And what what uh did the safari entail?
2: Well, we had, we it, had uh, it was a whole bunch of animals, man. Uh, you know, you've seen basically the top five that they have there. What is it? Uh, lion, giraffe, rhino, or not rhino? Hippo.
3: Anyway, I know there's a big
2: five. We've seen pretty much almost all right? elephants. <laughs> yeah, Giraffes. yeah. We went on
0: the first. The first safari was kind of a uh, kind of a. Uh, um, uh, what is it like, a uh, well, there was a, there was a lot of Jeeps. It was kind of a mm-hmm. commercial type of a safari. I mean, there was kind of like was, a,
1: a caravan
3: through it. Yeah, there was a bunch. Well, the, the difference, the difference was one was a national park on the first day. And then on the second day we were in a preserve preserve. And okay. the, the difference is the national park, they allow, uh, tribal, uh people to actually continue to live within the park and with the animals but in the preserve that we went into up by the Serengeti uh, no humans are allowed to live within that uh, territory right so um, no hunting and that kind it, of stuff yeah yeah no no nothing is allowed except for just sightseeing basically And to Chris's point, yes it was a lot of animals. I think we saw everything that Africa had to offer except for the rhino uh, and and cheetah. But uh, everything else from lions and uh, elephant herds, uh, hippos, garrows, gazelles, zebra, giraffe. I mean, you name it. uh, It was pretty impressive.
1: Did y'all get pictures of all that?
3: Yeah, we got pictures of all of that as well. Okay, nice. I don't think we have posted it yet, though.
1: Need to post those. Come on now, you're sliding. Well, that
3: uh, right there in
0: that picture, Marty, uh, the guy in the yellow cap sitting next to me, uh-huh. that that's Jeremy Locke. He he was our photographer. He's a seven-time military photographer of the year, the only person to 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 attain that goal seven different times. I think the closest person ever to have it was was three. They got it three times. He, he photographed, he just released his Safari photos um, to us on a Dropbox, and they're phenomenal. Oh, I can imagine, right? yeah. And he, he he hasn't released, he hasn't
1: edited and
0: gone through all, I think he said he took 20,000 pictures of the climb.
1: Wow. So, so talk <laughs> yeah. about this, uh, you know, the food. What did you guys, you know, eat? This, this is probably something at base camp here. I don't guess you set this up every night during the – the hike up the mountain. So talk about they your, did. your food situation.
0: They did set it up every night. Really?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's the mess. Today. One of the we things did. that I think helped us was the the ginger tea, man, that ginger tea. I think it helped uh, revitalize our body and get us up to par. And those of us that might've had uh, issues, I think that ginger tea helped uh, stomach, stomach problems and things like that. Like, Unfortunately, I don't know, every time I go out of, town or out of country, um, I, I forget and I drink out of the tap water. Uh, uh, I don't know yeah. if my body's adapted or what, or if it was a ginger tea, but so far, so good. So, so you're not feed supposed you to drink, drink the water
1: of, there?
2: Yeah, you don't want to drink the water. a lot of parasites in the water. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, they would set that up. The porters
0: were amazing. They would uh, take this tent, all your tents, uh, sleep mats all the cooking stuff. I mean, they would even on the route, uh, I think about every day at some point they would have a soup for you, you know, in those, in those cups there you see in front of us, those metal cups, mm-hmm. they'd have somebody that had some soup and they would pour everybody some soup. And so there's lots of soups, lots of porridge, oatmeal, um, lots of complex carbs, um, some protein, and they fed us pre- and fruits. They they fed us pretty good. We always had coffee, hot chocolate, or ginger tea um, that was hot. Yeah. And then they cleaned and boiled all our water every uh, every night so that we could fill up our uh, our water bottles.
1: So were y'all we getting like three meals a day at least? Uh, no. Like two? You get two two. So you two meals a day you and lots breakfast of and and dinner when you. When you get your your uh, nighttime point. What yeah, are they get, giving you for breakfast? Get,
0: breakfast, we'd get porridge. Some sort of porridge. What or, the hell is porridge?
1: Oatmeal? What is porridge? Is nah, that, is that oatmeal?
0: What, I'm not real sure.
2: <laughs> it's like I'm an oatmeal real. kind of, you know, basically, you're, you're probably a bunch of ground up grains. Yeah. You okay. know, almost like tastes a malt like, oatmeal. Tastes
0: like, yeah, like malt oatmeal or cream of wheat. But it was kind of an apple, had an apple... Applesauce kind of taste to it Or apple spice Uh-huh. But consistency is more
1: like, like oatmeal Kind of thing Yeah. It was well more there's right. always
2: Oh I'm sorry Brandon I, I was going to tell him there, There's always like the chef He called himself what was it a, an appetite engineer Yeah he's a so, stomach
0: engineer
2: A stomach engineer So basically everything that they used It had a purpose um, Of course if you look into like different herb books And things like that cinnamon you know, deals with anti-inflammatory properties, and so does ginger, and things mm-hmm. like this. So it was, it, it's all really, it, it's thought of. You know, it's not like they were just giving us random food. A lot of That's times, you know, you could tell what man. they were giving us by what kind of day it was going to be. If it was going to be a heavy day, where we we're going to be walking for a long time, you could tell they were definitely trying to pack in the protein and carbs and energy into us. You know, they're like, no, no, you need to eat this, or you need to drink this. You know, they what kind they knew of what was going on. they cut it down to a you? science.
1: What kind of protein? Uh, they were giving
2: us eggs, uh, boiled eggs, um, different things like that. Uh, meats, uh, chicken, a lot of chicken that they had. Um, but I'll, I'll say one of the things they pushed was the eggs, and I, I think that's one of the things that also helped me because I'm I'm good on uh, extracting protein from eggs. You know, um, they they always do real good for me. Some of the other guys, you know, eggs don't really do too well for them, and I know that because I walk behind them. Yeah, um, <laughs> or so.
0: you're in a tent with them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know that brings well, yeah, up a, you know, so- another um thing that people probably don't think about and something that i had read when i was doing a little research on this uh is that you know you're saying don't drink the water and that the water has become contaminated by all the people not properly discarding their you know their waste yeah their, their human waste uh and it's it's gotten into the the water systems there and i guess made it uh drinkable. Yeah. yeah, for some reason if
2: it ain't somebody's backyard, you know, they don't tend to respect it like they would their own.
1: Yeah, so yeah, was, how did y'all handle your your waste? We had portable potties. <laughs> portable potty along the way they had them.
0: Yeah, they carried these portable chemical toilets. Okay. And they would set up a little uh closet-like tent, a little uh rectangular tent that was about the size of a closet and it would have that little chemical toilet in there. Yeah. And um that's what we would use at base camps.
1: And they would they would pack those up each time and bring them with them or they just leave them there?
0: No, they they brought them. They brought everything
1: everything so we had at
2: camp one of the, uh, up the mountain. Anytime we went up a camp, whenever we got to a camp, there was usually like a facilities there, like basically a concrete floor with a hole in it. Uh-huh. And they would pour all the waste in there. So they're they're trying to get it on the mountain to where it's all consolidated, and they're trying to get it to where it, it's basically clean. And they're they're cleaning up the mountain. They have crews that go through there, that actually do little like six man crews where they actually walk up the trails up the mountain, cleaning up trash the whole way. So right. uh, the national park of Kilimanjaro has really gotten it nailed down when it comes to trying to fix some of the problems that they've had in the past. Gotcha.
1: So um. We talked about the the diet. Um, was there one thing in particular, maybe that they that they served you or that you had to eat? Maybe not during the the hike, but just while you were there in Africa, that really stood out. You're like, mm, yeah, it was is. the
0: chicken-like substance they were giving us. <laughs> Chris said it was chicken. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure it was chicken.
2: I don't know, man, we were, we were up there for six days and they said it was chicken. And there were, I swear to God, there were some crows that looked about the
1: size of this chicken. I know when I was in uh, Jamaica, I thought I was eating chicken for like two days. Uh, And then they turned out and they told me it was a goat's tail. And I was (laughs) like, Oh, okay.
0: Well, it's (laughs) tasty. Yeah. I didn't care but when they were giving me these little pieces of chicken, I was like, man, that doesn't look like chicken. It's some sort of wing, but, um, yeah, they, they, um, they, they were very, I mean, the soups were, I was impressed. I mean, I was really impressed with the, the, the foods that they made available to us. I mean, Mm -hmm. they, with, with the stuff they were working with, um, and to change it every day and to, you know, they didn't feed us the same thing every, every single meal. They changed it every time. So it was, it was pretty
1: impressive. Nice. Now here we're getting some background photo of the snow. Did you guys the temperature how How did the temperature vary? Because it didn't look like you guys had to get too wrapped up to to make this hike. I would think that it would get pretty damn cold.
0: We looked out on the weather. Yeah. Uh, now I think that the time of year that we were going is one of two uh, windows uh, for Kilimanjaro. That's that's really the the best uh, season mm-hmm. to go, and we we were in one of them. So. We didn't have much rain. We had a little bit, but not much. Um, so we didn't have to worry about covering up too much. You see some of those pictures; they've got uh, waterproof covers on their rucksacks and stuff. It was mm-hmm. really not that necessary. Um, yeah. the only I'm just seeing we, everybody
1: we, in like shorts and short short sleeves. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, I was expecting like parkas yeah. and things like that as you got as you yeah. got higher. What's you know, the coldest they got?
0: We would start off in the morning and, and it would be chilly, and then you know you'd start shedding. You know, these infantry guys like me and Chris, you know, we usually shed everything before we start walking anyway. I mean, that's just how we were trained. Yeah. Um, you can always put something on, but you don't want to sweat in something that's that's there to, to keep you warm. And when you stop, you're you're wet yeah. and cold. So um, as soon as the sun was out, it, 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 they were really nice days. But there were some times down in the valleys where the wind would kick up. And the temperature would drop pretty quick. Those, those those clouds would roll in really fast.
1: So, like forties, um, or you know, give me an idea of what temperatures y'all were dealing with. Oh,
0: you know, I would say it was in the seventies. What do you say, Chris? The
2: seventies It was that one. Yeah, it, uh, it? It, it. Yeah, down down when we were in the rainforest, it was around seventies to upper seventies, and then once we started moving up, I think we moved from the rainforest to uh, what was it, an alpine desert or to a moorland and then from the moorland to the alpine desert from the alpine desert, we moved up into the Arctic. So, yeah, but you know, one of the things that's crazy is everybody now they were trying to tell everybody, okay, you need to bundle up you need to do this. But what some people fail to realize when it comes to uh, people that are missing limbs is they actually get hotter than we do because their body's trying to generate enough heat for a full body and they're missing legs or an arm and leg and everything like that. So when you see Noah Galloway up there, and he looks like he's in shorts, and we're, we're still kind of bundled, it's because he's hot. And, you know, he, he's not cold because his body's overworking. Sure. And that's why they say, you know, us walking one mile is like them walking four.
1: I'd never heard that. Yeah. That's a great point. Now, what are you doing right here, Brandon?
0: Uh, looks like I'm putting some, uh, some sort of flavoring in my water bottle. A
1: little flavoring, or is that the stuff to counteract the – no. <laughs> the bad we didn't have to bring, We
0: brought iodine tablets, but we didn't need them because they boiled our water every night. So they had I think we were sponsored by Liquid IV, is that right, Chris? Yes, yeah. yes, we were. Sorry about that. And um and so we had a few little packets of stuff we could we would could put in our water bottles if we if we elected to. Um and that's that's what I'm doing there that particular
1: <laughs> Gotcha. And there's those clouds I was talking that's, about. Okay. So that, that's you're above the clouds there, man.
0: Yeah, we actually went above another, a whole nother layer on top of that. We went, we got even higher up to base camp. There was a whole secondary level of clouds. Got up into the
1: stratosphere, <laughs> huh? Yeah. <laughs> now, this is what, like 19,000 feet, something like that? Well, the mountain's
0: 19,341 feet, yeah. the tallest point. And that's the Bronco wall. Um. Which uh, from the Bronco Camp, you could see those people that from other uh, from other um, treks that were with other companies that were that were starting before us. When you looked at them from the camp, they looked like ants. Yeah, that thing is so tall and um, and steep. Um, and then they they've got the Kissing Rock there. I think that's what the the guy with the gray coat on. That's our photographer. Right. And he's waiting to get somebody up. And you gotta kinda shimmy past that rock. Um, and that's
1: why they call it the kissing rock. you get so close to it you gotta kiss it, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's right. But see, that's what I'm talking. I see there's <laughs> snow up there, and for snow, I mean it's gotta be, you know, in the thirties at
0: least. Yeah. Well, I think on the on the peak, they say it can be uh, twenty degrees down to minus twenty at any at any time.
1: Yeah, and you guys didn't experience was, that obviously.
0: It was pretty cold when we got up there. Um, they made us wear all our hot, hot weather gear, um, starting out on that track, and uh, I was I was sweat through my jacket, um, but it was cold. And once the sun came out, um, it warmed up quite a bit. Yeah.
1: So, any um, interesting stories during the the eight days that you guys want to share?
3: Marty, we've talked a little bit about Travis, but I, I'll tell you now that. I've seen a lot in my lifetime, but I've never witnessed the type of physical accomplishment that Travis Strong, you know, was able to achieve. There's, there's probably a handful of human beings on this planet that could have done what Travis did over a three-day span. He walked on his hands bounced on his butt cheeks for three days, total of more than 10 miles and an elevation increase of basically 5,000 feet. So think about that. 10 miles, 5,000 foot elevation increase over three days of walking on his hands because the man has no prosthetics and no lower limb extremities, right? Right. And I I think, again, I I don't want to speak too much for the the group, but we all were tearful and and or boohooing like I was on the third day when Travis had to leave the mountain, feeling for what he accomplished. And it was superhuman at every level. And the guides and the porters were constantly in awe. I mean, he was unwilling to accept help. He wanted to prove that he could do it himself, and again, if we had not chosen the route that we did, which we actually chose before he was part of the team, uh, he could have gone a lot further. For someone in his situation, we chose the worst possible route, and I do want to share that we are going back. We're taking Travis back next year, and we're doing what they call the Coca-Cola route, which is a three-day route that we're going to turn into a six day route to give him plenty of time to navigate and not wear himself out the way he did and actually set him up for success to actually summit. So just acknowledging him, there was nothing that I witnessed that was more powerful on this trip than what Travis did and can't say enough good things about his mental and physical fortitude to accomplish what he did. Um, and, and I think Brandon and Chris will second that. That's right.
1: Well, it's a, yeah, it's definitely a mate. Now, have they witnessed anybody in his condition before tackling this, this mountain? I mean, nobody with.
3: There, there's actually two people. And we found out again, at the last minute that they both took the Coca-Cola route, mm-hmm. which is the three day route. And they both turned it into a six day uh, climb effort. The difference being, though, that both of them accepted quite a bit of the assistance. They were carried a good bit of the trip, and they they did not do it on their own the way uh, Travis did. So uh, I think it was more about just getting two people that were kind of in his same situation, both of them civilians. One of them was... Apparently born without legs, so they had gone their entire lives, you know, adjusting to life without legs. Uh, Travis obviously lost his uh, serving in the military and losing them to an IED. So, again, uh, we're not comparing apples to apples here. We're going to take someone that as a grown man had to adjust, uh, losing his limbs.
1: Yeah, completely different Uh, circumstances. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah, and and is going to try and do it without any assistance, basically just sheer will. So, again, a very daunting task. Well, hopefully somebody will come
1: up with some sort of a a device for his his lower extremities that will, you know, know, assist, add some
3: padding or something. Uh, Yeah, it's one of the things that he identified before we made the trip. But the, unfortunately, the, the university team that had committed to, uh, you know, providing him with a lower extremity device, kind of like a pair of pants with a, a shoe or tire tread on the lower portion, mm-hmm. uh, they were supposed to have that ready for him in time for the trip, and they didn't. So he really was forced to just kind of come with what he had. Uh, and the other thing is that uh, we're going to, we're now going to get involved and help to ensure that he has a special pair of gloves mm-hmm. developed uh, to help him with his hands yeah. and a special, uh, you know, form of trousers with lower padding and some uh, some tread that will actually protect his lower portion of his body.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, well, the good thing about this is, you know, he got an opportunity to, to see, you know, what it is that, that would make it Easier or better for him to make this trek, you know. So he's like, hey, "I've done it with nothing. Right. Now, if I had this, or you know, something along these lines, then I could really knock this out." So, research, yeah, want, man, we all, research.
3: We all agreed to that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a trial, a test for him, and so uh, I know I'm committed to going back and helping, you know, helping him fulfill his dream, and obviously my own. And you know, I, the fact that I had to stop. Uh, I've now got a greater drive than effort than ever to go back and do it, uh, but uh, you know to give Travis the opportunity to challenge himself now after he's seen what it's going to physically take. Yeah, um, I wish he could have joined a us. Specimen.
1: Yeah, I wish he could have joined us uh, on this interview and the other guys as well. So talk about the other uh, twelve guys uh, that that were on here. So, yeah, are you looking at the picture I've got up? Uh, I guess this is the whole crew I am. minus her. I am. Uh, let's so start on got, the left.
3: Uh, you've got. Uh, let me zoom in a little bit myself. Okay, so that's Jeremy. He's the seven-time military photographer of the year. Uh, he's an Air Force vet. <clears throat> right next to him is Noah Galloway,
1: Dancing with the Stars, uh,
3: and then, and then you know, to his lower, his lower left is Travis down there at the bottom.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, up behind Travis is George Chimmel. George is famous for running across the United States from San Francisco to New York with the uh, with the US flag so that's his claim to fame uh, mm-hmm. and he's a he's a physical specimen in his own right uh, as you can imagine having the ability to run across the United States uh-huh. um, then you've got uh, a really odd character that came <laughs> with us named Brandon <laughs> Madison Uh <laughs> You know, Brandon, obviously, is is an amazing man, uh, and proud to have him. Again, you know, an Army Ranger combat vet. Next to him is uh, Michael Nimmo, uh, a Marine Corps veteran combat vet. Uh, And then the the other odd duck of the group, uh, Chris McKay. Uh, You know, we're noticing a trend here of individuals that served in the Army being odd ducks. (laughs) But, uh, uh, Chris again, Chris McKay, Army Combat Vet, and uh, our uh, chapter commander up in Indiana for uh, Sheepdog. You got uh, next to Chris, you got Chris Jackson, uh, retired Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel, combat veteran. Uh, And he and I actually served together as junior Marines. We were Lance Corporals and Corporals together uh, in the Marine Corps back in the early days when Jesus was a was a buck private? Uh, and then uh, you got uh, I'm standing next to Chris, so i'm right I'm next to him. And then uh, in front of Chris is Sebastian Gallegos. obviously uh, another combat uh, veteran amputee, lost his arm, uh, and he's a, a marine. And then uh, up to uh, the next, that's next to me is uh, Scott West, double amputee. Uh, again, combat vet, Army soldier, Farter and degree. then, uh, and again, Army. We're, we're having issues <laughs> here, but uh, the uh, uh, and then the last person there. That's uh, actually Houston, and he's uh, actually a civilian, uh, videographer that was hired by our sponsor, to come with us and capture uh, the trip on video and uh, and camera. So he spent most of his time just following the group trying to capture to the best of his ability, um, the entire event on video. And there has been some interest shown by uh, a couple different, uh, TV groups that are considering doing kind of a, a mini reality TV series on this expedition. Oh, Um, and so we're excited that we don't want to jinx ourselves and say any names at this point, but, uh, We are hoping that we have an opportunity to share this story with a broader audience and uh, we're hoping Houston's efforts and capturing all of it on video will will help with that. Plus with Jeremy, Jeremy Locke, uh, the seven time winner of Military Photographer of the Year. Yeah. Like Brandon has stressed uh, his his pictures are phenomenal. Uh, Everything I've seen that he's uh, shared with the group so far has, has been really powerful. And uh, we're hoping that if people will continue to plug into our website and social media pages, they'll have an opportunity to see a lot of his photos uh, in the days to come.
1: And these pictures that I'm pulling up, uh, as you guys are watching this on YouTube or if you're listening, you can go to Sheepdog's uh, Facebook page. It's Sheepdog I. Um,
3: is it Sheepdog I on Facebook? Or I think it's basically dot sheepdogia. And then, uh, our website is sheepdogia.org. And if you go to our website, you can click on our social media tabs, which Thank will take right people. There. We also have on our website, we've got a photo album gallery and everything else, but typically through our Facebook page, you can see or capture the majority of our, uh, our images, but, uh, without a doubt, an amazing, uh, trip for everyone. Uh, um, and you know another kudos i know we've all kind of mentioned it but just really stressing that um young adventures uh the group in africa that made it possible for us through the guides and porters, absolutely uh phenomenal group uh they were professional at every level and no matter the need they stepped up to meet it from a challenge standpoint and we just absolutely cannot rave enough about our guides and porters, uh, and how they were willing to literally sacrifice themselves in an effort to make sure that all of us, uh, were able to do our best in, um uh, in summiting the mountains. So absolutely big kudos to them. And, uh, we just couldn't be more proud of the effort made by everyone in the attempt, uh, and especially those that were able to make it to the top.
1: Very Cool. Very cool. So, uh, Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to, to be on and, and share your stories. Um, Brandon, Chris, do you guys have any any other stories you'd like to share of the trip or say anything about well, it?
0: I'd like to say one more thing about Travis. I mean, uh, the Sergeant Major covered it quite well. But just watching him put in, you know, trying to, to, to do the whole thing on his own um, to – to be looking, you know, uh, uh, at these inclines going up and, you know, they were, they're intimidating to anybody. I can't imagine being in his situation uh, from his perspective, you know, with, with the tools that, that he was, that he had to, to uh, negotiate the the trails. And also, uh, I mean, it's so impressive because, you know, somebody gets a blister on their foot and it, it ruins their day. Yeah. This guy was taping up his knuckles at the end of the day or the next day because his hands were so uh, just beat up, you know. From from uh, I think sometimes he was on his palms, sometimes he was on his knuckles, um, depending on how he was trying to maneuver. I know it took a toll on his uh, on his uh, lower, uh, you know, part of his yeah. body. His ass also. Yeah, his ass. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I watched this guy, you know, the, the start of the second day when I was asking, him, you know, if there's anything I could do for him or, or whatever, just not accepting any any help, not not out of uh, out of spite or anything like that, just because he he, he was determined mm-hmm. to do it on his own and looking at his hands and him just taking tape and just taping over it and then setting out to, to walk another five miles on his hands. I mean, it was it was a testament to, you know, the determination and the heart, uh, of this guy. And I, I just, uh, I'm just uh, impressed as hell, um, with this guy. And I, I just want to give him the, 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 the prop proper, uh, acknowledgement that, that he deserves. It, it was, it was, uh, it was amazing.
1: Chris.
2: Yeah, just to go with what he said, uh, one of the reasons I made it. Is- because we we're surrounded by amazing individuals that give you that motivation, you know, and if, if you're not going to do it for yourself, well, hell, do it for your brothers and sisters. You know, it's one of the reasons we did it. Try to bring real, you know, uh, awareness to the 22 veterans and first or veterans that commit suicide each each day. You know, it's uh, just trying to bring recognition to that and saying, hey, you know, just because you climbed that first mountain doesn't mean, you know, life is over for you. Life, there's, there's life after service.
0: Um, And the message, the message of, you know, we can all do hard stuff. I mean, this has really resonated with my men's group. Seeing the back of his shirt or Travis's shirt or Scott's shirt saying whatever it takes or what's your excuse. And, you know, I've got guys that uh, that I know that that uh, can't quit eating cupcakes, you know, and they think they've got a problem and they think they've got a struggle. And this guy is showing you, hey, look at what I can do. You know, I can still do hard things and, and this is, is what I'm up against. And I think it's a, an inspirational message for anybody in any walk, uh, any, any walk of life.
1: And I think most of the things that you guys do are, are set out and designed to, to show that too, is like, you know, there's life beyond, like you say, your, your model, get off the couch. And I really appreciate everything that Sheepdog IA does, Impact Assistant does for, our military men and women, police, uh, first responders, and you guys—you uh, know—it doesn't run on thanks, it doesn't run on appreciation, it—it it runs on donations. And you listeners have the opportunity to—to to get involved and donate. You know, whether it's money, whether it's uh, resources, or whether it's your own time, you can go to their website, sheepdogia.org, and uh, there's links there. Uh, to where you can donate money, you can uh, get in touch with them. If this is a calling that you see maybe in your life, you and get in touch with them and see how you can uh physically um get involved with Sheepdog IA. I know you guys have your uh your big gala coming up, which I didn't get my invitation to, but uh <laughs> I haven't received that yet. Uh talk about that, um Lance.
3: Well, I got to be honest and say you probably haven't received an invitation because we've been slow in the planning process because of COVID and we've had to reschedule twice already. And now of course we're, we're in this real shady span of where COVID is starting to impact communities in a big way again, just from a a political unfortunately standpoint in these communities where uh, community leaders are discouraging large events and gatherings etc so as of right now we're moving forward with what we call this year um just a celebration event it's outdoors whereas typically it's indoors it's october 9th which is a saturday here in northwest arkansas and uh, obviously Marty, you are always invited. I think that's another key factor is we've quit sending invitations to people that are expected to be there annually. <laughs> so you, you are called on the carpet yes. and expected to attend annually, whether you receive an invitation or not. Absolutely. But, uh, without a doubt, all lead heads out there and non-lead heads that hear about this event, we'd love to have you. Um, there's going to be fireworks. Noah Galloway is actually one of our guest speakers, um, as is Sergio Trejo, uh, another combat wounded vet. It's going to share his story and motivate people. Uh, we've got guest speakers or, or guest mu- uh, musicians, a um, couple different surprise guests that are come, going to come and uh, perform for us. And uh, just again, from an outdoor standpoint this year it's just about celebrating and having a good time more like a backyard barbecue than anything else mm-hmm. and That's uh best. tickets are relatively cheap and we'd love to have you
1: and you go to uh sdia.givesmart.com uh for tickets on that and of course you can go to their website to get more information on the the annual gala now um did you guys do it last year? Was it because of COVID? It was, I know we kept trying and rescheduling and, uh, did that ever work out?
3: No, this is like, yeah, this is the celebration that was to be uh, multiple times over the past 18 months. And we just kept unfortunately being forced to push it out, yeah. uh, based on, uh, COVID no. limitations I know where we were a... restricted
1: yeah, this is a big uh, opportunity for you guys to raise some of your, you know, big chunk of your funds here at this this gala event. There's always some great silent auction uh, items that are involved with that. Uh, through the past couple of years, you guys have made that available online for people who can't attend. Are you planning on doing the same thing with that this year? We
3: are. Through that Gives Smart link, you'll see uh, all of the items that we have in the silent auction posted, and you can actually bid remotely. So uh, if you see something you want, bid on it, win it, and we'll ship it to you.
1: There you go. And uh, I need to get you some things for that. Um, again, I just kind of fell behind on this too, and that's that's my fault. So we,
3: Well, well I, I, let me – We usually have the best that.
1: auction items available. so <laughs>
3: Well, I was going to say, Marty, you have by far over the past few years with your key sponsors and relationships – been our best when it comes to some of the prizes and things that you've been able to set us up with so uh the leadheads heads out there know that marty has always stepped up to the plate and over overachieved when it comes to supporting our efforts
1: and that's due to the leadhead, head the leadhead head brigade and like you said our sponsors we have really good sponsors uh on this show so leadheads, heads to for us to be able to do this you've got to go and support our sponsors also and Uh, that, you know, they're willing to do more things like this. Definitely, uh, we'll see what we can pull together here in uh, uh, the fourth quarter.
3: Love it. Love it. We appreciate you as always.
1: So, yeah, uh, Leadhead, you get the opportunity. Again, sdia.givesmart.com for the uh, annual celebration. That's in Rogers, Arkansas, and it's just an absolute beautiful drive. I've I've driven it a couple of times. Uh, It's a beautiful part of Arkansas. It's not the flat the flat ugly part <laughs> it's it's really beautiful up there it's worth a, a trip so uh if you're looking for a, a place to get out uh, stretch your legs get out of this covid bs uh make the trip it's well worth it and um on your website i guess you have a list of the places where people can set up to stay is it still at the embassy there
3: or i can't remember where it was yeah uh, it is well this year there's a couple different options we're not doing the event at embassy suites this year but uh if anyone reaches out to us via our website, we'll uh, we'll send links to a couple of different partner hotels that they can choose from. Uh, and certainly we would love to have anyone and everyone that would like to attend.
1: And what's your next big adventure you got coming up?
3: Well, we uh, nothing quite equals Kilimanjaro, but uh, over the next four weeks, we've got three different outdoor adventures. One is rock crawling and skydiving. Uh, another is a big fishing trip down in new orleans and uh some swamp boat riding and world war ii museum visit uh then uh week after that is razor riding and mountain biking uh and and then after that's the gala or the celebration gala uh uh, and then we're uh we're back at a warrior path program and and then again uh, uh october november full of uh additional outdoor adventures so we are we're in one of our busier times of the year, and we're excited about all the events that we're going to have going.
1: We need to get another hog hunt uh, scheduled. I got a new thermal that I need to try out here. Um, I need to stop sharing my screen here so you can see. Uh, well, and we
3: uh, got a I new We've got a hog, hog hunt the end of October, so we need to get you plugged back in again.
1: Yeah, we need to we need to go try this out. Uh, it's from Accufire, and uh, I took it out the other day just to test it out. And for a sub three thousand thermal, uh, this thing you would think it would it would be a ten thousand dollar thermal. It's it's really nice. Got some great features. Uh, very very nice. clear. Uh, and then I got one of their their scopes also that you can co witness with this. Uh, so if you've got like a one to eight or one to six. Uh, you can co-witness it with that and get the the benefits too. so I definitely yes uh Texas is the place to 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 try that try that out. Lots of uh, leg room to stretch it out. <laughs> I like it Hells yeah, the hog hunts are always a fun time so
3: absolutely um,
1: again, guys, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate everything that you guys are doing uh, for our our veteran community. And you guys, Leadheads, again, I can't stress it enough. It doesn't run on thanks. doesn't run on appreciation. It takes money. Go donate. Uh, Sergeant Major, thank you so much. Chris, thank you, thank you so much. Brandon, love to have you guys on again whenever you've got uh, your next adventure. Let's have you guys on, and uh, let's get some of the people that take part in it, Lance, and let's make this kind of like a thing. After you do one, let's get on here, and let's talk about it and push and promote it and, and show everybody all the good that it does. and You know how much it really uplifts these uh,
3: individuals, men and women. Absolutely. Well, we always appreciate the opportunity, Marty, and uh, we'll look forward to being back on again.
1: Absolutely. Leadheads again. Our sponsors, Mission First Tactical. Uh, Get twenty five, get twenty percent off. Use the code Leadhead. You go to Seal One. Get any of their cleaning products, the CLPs. Uh, It's great for not just your guns, but uh, anything that you need to clean. Uh, or keep uh, the corrosion off of, seal1.com. Use the code LEADHEAD. You're going to get 25% off their aerosols, their liquids, their paste, their pre-soaked bore patches. Uh, They got you covered there. Nemo Arms. Uh, That's somebody I need to uh, see if we can't get a donation for the auction is Nemo Arms. They make some of the most uh, pristine AR-15s, AR-10s. Uh, that you guys have ever seen, and they've got heirloom-quality shotguns uh, at Nemo Arms. Uh, Lance, I hope to introduce you to them. Use the code TL10, Please. and you're going to get 10% off anything at their website, and that includes their firearms, which is unheard of in, in this day and time. Uh, and then, of course, kel we're going to be there for the NRA. Houston, Texas, September the 3rd through the 5th. Brandon, if you uh, want to hop, skip, jump over to Houston, Come by our booth, 1803. We're going to have the lead quarters set up. We're going to be doing much of what we're doing right here. Uh, well, we'll just- <laughs> say again? Some- somebody said something. <laughs> that was weird. Steve <laughs> no. So, is somebody
3: else on with us? Chris, are you talking to us?
1: No, uh-uh, Chris is guys. muted. Joy That's weird. Some- Did you hear it too?
3: I did, that wasn't a weird a, a Ghost voice
1: That's crazy I think somebody's hacked into our our Unhackable Skype <laughs> it's China, it's gotta be China It's China Yeah, it must be China <laughs> They want to get They want to get on the Talking Live podcast Because this is where it's happening uh, But we're going to be there, so come by And visit us, Leadheads, we're going to have great giveaways uh, From our sponsors Factory 47 uh, 1776 United Go show them all love. Use the discount codes. Uh, and that's how we keep the show coming to you each and every week. And as always, lead heads. until then, keep your loved ones close.
3: And your firearms, firearms closer.
1: And get off and the, the special- couch. <laughs>